Hello there, my name is Corey Durbin, CEO of Shared Health Alliance, and I'd like to welcome you to Running Eyes, a podcast where we take a meaningful, deep dive into the relationships, strategies, and global mission of ASH to change healthcare and change lives. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today, and I'm so really excited to be with my friend Pat Bradley. Pat is the founder of Crisis Aid International. We've known each other a long time, and he is Alliance for Shared Health International, or liaison and connection to its international health share predecessor, Bible Army International Church. Pat, thanks for taking the time today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, Corey. Well, uh, this I think this will be a really enjoyable opportunity to sit down. I, I always enjoy our times together, and it's I think the story of how you got started is amazing. Uh, and, and maybe you could just get into that, how you got into East Africa. And I don't even know that it started necessarily in East Africa, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it actually, it started, Crisis Aid started in um, South Sudan. Mm-hmm. And so I was there on a fact-finding trip for two weeks, and um, we came across a group of people of about 70 men, women, and children who were, we were basically in the desert. Uh, and their village had been attacked the night before, and these were the survivors. And we were hundreds of miles from food, water, and shelter, and it was, and we had nothing we could give them. Um, we had nothing, and they didn't have, some of them didn't have clothes on. This mm-hmm. is how bad it was. Um, and it was obvious that these would, they would not survive. So what, what, how did you end up in Sudan? What was the reason that you were there in the first place? Um, at the time, I was on a board uh, for an organization based out of Washington, D.C., and we dealt with Christian persecution around the globe. Okay. And we had received a lot of reports that were the atrocities going on in South Sudan, so we went and did our own field assessment. Wow. Wow. So you see this group of, of people that were obviously in severe suffering and mm. sounds like they were close to dying and if not about to die. And so what happened after that? We, uh, you know, we, we met with them and, and um, you know, we had a, a pastor, so he spoke with them. And, and it's, it's really hard to it's like you felt so helpless at the time. And, and we were. Um, but I remember that feeling, how horrible it was. And we got in our car and we started to pull away. Um, I remember looking over my right shoulder and seeing them, knowing that they would not survive. And, and the thought, this thought just crossed my mind was um, doing, lo- doing nothing is no longer an option. Hmm. Well, I rem- re- vividly remember sitting in church, and we were at a big church in St. Louis, and you were up front, you got called up front, and I think the pastor was praying for you about your mission. And it just struck me. Uh, some of the things that you were doing, I'm like, wow, that's th- there's a boldness there. And so, will you fast forward to how you got into into East Africa, into Ethiopia? How you ended up over there? Sure. At the time, we were uh, it was in the year of two, it was 2003, and we were working in South Sudan and Afghanistan. And um, I also had a, a company, a marketing company, and I read an, a headline on the internet and said 14 million Ethiopians at risk of death by starvation, and I, as soon as I read that, I knew that I knew that God just put it on my heart, just go. And so 30 days later, I showed up in the Capitol with a uh, phone number on a yellow post-it note. And I mean, I didn't know a soul. Mm. When I showed up the next day, I made a phone call and it started to roll from there. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> I, we, um, you and I met through a friend of mine, Chris Whitney, who's now also, he runs a nonprofit called One Gen Away down in Franklin, Tennessee. They do food distribution really all over the country, um, meeting people's needs. Uh, in, in that physical way and also offering prayers and support for them. But, you know, he introduced us probably 2004 
and we slowly developed a friendship over time. And then we sat down one day at a coffee shop, and I mentioned to you that boy, we really needed a connection to a HealthShare predecessor who was doing medical missions mm-hmm. prior to 1231 of 99. And uh, may, may, would you share a little bit about BAIC and what they're doing over in East Africa? Sure. Um, BAIC began their uh, church in the mid-1990s, and it was started by a young guy who had a real heart for kids on the street. And so they started like a house church, um, and it just started to grow from there. Um, Pastor Tommy and his wife Joy began helping in a physical way, the, the children living on the street. And then as they started to grow, things just started to kind of blossom for them. And I remember that they had been so touched by the HIV crisis. And, and in Ethiopia, it was at that time and for years, it was the second worst country in the world uh, for cases and death by HIV. And so they began a help ministry as part of their church to help treat, provide medical care for those that had it. And they, I mean, they, they arranged um, doctors and nurses who would volunteer their services and, and they did what they could because their church was small. They had basically nothing, but they took whatever they had and made it into something significant. Mm. You know, we, we call this podcast Running Eyes and every now and then I'll reference it comes from Second Chronicles that says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose heart is loyal to him that he may strongly support. And I think about what you do on a daily basis, what your team does, and what BAIC does over there continues to do. And it's, uh, I believe that's part of what the heart of the name of this podcast comes from. And I also believe there are people that are listening that their eyes are running. They're looking like, how do I connect with with people that actually have a heart to help people? Because we might, we have a lot of people who are listening, they might not be Christian. We're mm-hmm. not, try, I'm not trying to force Christianity on anybody. And I don't want to be a Christian that gives Christians a bad name, you know, and there are a lot of us. And I, I hope I am never one of those. I was, I'm sure I have been at times in my life. And I just, I love being connected to you and to what your group and to what BAIC does. And it, but it's not always easy, right? The work? No, it's not always easy. In fact, it's rarely easy, but it's always worth it. Mm. I recall uh, last February, right before COVID hit, our team went over to uh, Ethiopia on what I think you guys call a vision mm-hmm. mission, a vision, vision trip. trip, yeah. And uh, the board of Alliance for Shared Health and Mike Hinches were there, and I had the privilege of going along. And there, there are a lot of people lined up at the pe- pediatric hospitals that Ash supports, mm-hmm. and what BAIC does every day. And uh, it has to be. I-, I wonder sometimes how you go to sleep at night just seeing what you've what you see on a regular basis? That's a fair question or not? It, it is. It's a good question. Um, for me, as, as you saw, Corey, it was, it's very emotional. I mean, you see people suffering in ways that you won't ever see in our country. You won't see a mother holding a baby that's dying of starvation. Mm-hmm. You just won't see that here. And, you, and when you see that and you're next to it and you touch it and you, you guys hug those women and you held those babies and you help give out food, that's a really gut-wrenching emotional experience. Um, and even though I've been doing this for 20 years now, it, it's like it's always a new, fresh experience to me. I don't ever want to allow myself to get used to it. But the way I cope with it, um, because I went through a period actually where I got depressed 
because of everything I saw in all the countries we were working in. And it, it was like a year-long process for me to get back out of it. I'd run myself down. I was completely burnt out physically. My adrenal system basically shut down. And, and, uh, and it was a hard road to come back on. But I had learned through that process that I cannot focus on what I see today, but take what I see today and let it be the motivation for what I want to accomplish tomorrow. And so I keep my thoughts more into the future. And so like, how can we help more people? Mm. Well, and BAIC has a great team over there. You have some, I, I would call them boots on the ground. I don't know if that's the term you would use. They seem to really uh, make sure that when you're not there, the the functions and the purposes of, of impacting people's health over there, they're on it, aren't they? They're on it every single day, yeah. And, and for us, it was really important when we went there. Um, we wanted... We didn't want to build an American organization there. We wanted to find someone that we could come alongside and partner with and help provide the resources and, and other things. And Bible Army became that, that resource for us. We get pushback or questioned as to the legitimacy of what BAIC does and is as a health share ministry. And I think I, I admit to getting frustrated when Ash gets questioned about that and we provide some regulatory support for Ash, but it's uh, it, it's about as pure as it gets is what I, how I would say it. Yeah. It, I mean, it is. It's just it, the war. I mean, we don't charge anybody anything for the services that Bible Army makes no profit or revenue whatsoever. Um, and it's kind of hard to grasp that people would not understand what you are doing, not what you're attempting to do, but what you are actually doing on a daily basis. And um, yeah, I find it hard to believe that people would not would even question the validity of any of it, frankly. Yeah, and it, I think we're, we're making progress as it relates to that, <laughs> and I can get it. That, you know, in the health share world, there certainly are players that have come along that are just trying to take advantage of what they see as a loophole, and our heart is to actually impact the folks here but also stay true to what the calling is over there. So uh, that that's the earnest desire. Uh, you and I were talking before we uh, started on this uh podcast today and I was, you asked me about my dad I was just thinking you know you know watching him and go through the lung cancer he's going through and you know you've seen your dad mm -hmm. pass away and go through stuff and it's like we are all de decaying we've talked about that a little bit and I don't know just it, it, as I think of some of the images that we saw and the people that we saw over there what's amazing is they're actually very happy people mm-hmm and I don't can you talk a little bit about that and how much joy you see on the people's faces even in the midst of I, I think we tend to get I tend to get pretty discouraged as I leave my dad's house and think wow am I going to see him tomorrow you know mm -hmm. and these people in the middle of what sure, certainly looks like severe drought decay hunger there's a lot of joy on their faces when we're over there. Yeah, and, and and it's an interesting thing because you look at people that have absolutely nothing. And what you just said, they have this sincere smile that comes from within them. And they're suffering, they're sick, and they've got, you know, malnourished children and no jobs, and they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And they they live like this day after day. But yet when you show up, they've got a happiness in their heart. They've got a joy in their heart that I, I really believe it comes from being really just focused on their family. Family, what they live for what's important mm. on a daily basis. And when I look at my life, it's like I've got so many other things in there that distract me from that, but they don't. They have just that family and, and their village or their community. Um, 
But then the other side of it is that, you know, these are people that have been praying for God to help them sometimes for years. And then you show up and they see you and they go in their minds, God has answered my prayer because now I know help is coming. Mm. And that is something that is a gift that you give every time you go, not just because, I mean, you're helping with the, the pediatric hospital and, and other things, but your presence brings a joy to them that can only come from your presence. Mm. So they react. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking with Alex, who helps helps us with the podcast and runs our marketing department. And he, you know, he was on that trip with us, mm -hmm. doing some video stuff for us. But he said he asked you about the people, and they look pretty stoic and serious. And you said, just wave at them. And and he's talking about how just a wave, and they just light up, and it <laughs> just changes their whole countenance. Mm -hmm. And I think about the the ladies that your team has helped pull out of the red light district and the just some of the most atrocious stuff I've ever seen at red light district and these tin sheds that are what, 10 by 15 sheds that they're living in uh, and the safe haven that you have over there and seeing those girls light up mm -hmm. when they we come around, when you come around specifically <laughs> and, and your wife Sue, because um, I think... I think they see you as their, their a father figure to them, and that's got to be just emotional for you. It must be hard not being able to get over there right now with the COVID stuff going on. It's killing me not getting over there to see the girls. Yeah, um, but yes, you're right. I mean, so you saw where they lived on a daily basis. I mean, it was hell. There's no other description of what would hell look like on Earth. It would look like that red light district. But yet, when they come out of it, they've got that. And it sometimes, some of them will have it. Right away, other times it may take a month, it may take a couple of months. I mean, some of them have taken a couple of years, but we just, you know, you don't give up on that because inside there, there's that flower that's just waiting to be bloomed that God has created them to be and giving them a chance to live the life that God intended for them. Not what, what some enslaved, or, you know, a pimp, pardon me, but a pimp. Mm -hmm wanted for her and you're right just the joy explodes in them uh it, it left a lasting impression on all of us and i've talked about it before just on my once we got back to the states my flights home how i just cried from dc to denver and denver <laughs> back to the portland area where i live on those flights and everyone must have thought something is really wrong with that guy but uh wow i mean you and i i, I think about you and sue you guys have, have fought this fight for a long time uh we both kind of hit the we out kicked our coverage as they say as far as wives go and <laughs> i mean sue's awesome uh she's she goes she fights some stuff too life isn't easy for her right no it's not actually she deals with uh, chronic pain on a daily basis and uh, i mean she's my inspiration like i could not i couldn't I couldn't do what she does. I don't know how she does it. She amazes me every day that she comes in the office. She goes over to Ethiopia, um, you know, with me a couple times a year. And how she just perseveres is an inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. And I sure admire that about her and about you guys, specifically what she, what she fights through. And, you know, doing what we do doesn't mean we've got it easy and i should say doing what you do because it's what you guys do um yeah but you're part of the family so it's what we do <laughs> oh, right thank you but, i mean you didn't do this because you had hundreds of millions of dollars in your pocket and you're like this is going to be easy i'll just go give some of this away and i'll still have tens of millions left i mean you you stepped out and said you know what else am i going to do yeah it was <laughs> we we came back from that first trip in sudan and i was committed to do something and what it was i don't know but i was not going to do 
nothing. And um, But, you know, God blessed it, too. I mean, God, I believe God uh, will bless us with direction and everything we need if we would just take that first step with him. And, and really, that's the only thing we did. We took that first step, and it's been God all the way. I can't... I can't take one ounce of credit for any of it. Those first steps are sometimes pretty darn scary. And amazing <laughs> the journey we go on. I think most of us, when we look back, if we knew what we were going to have to go through to get to where we were going, <laughs> there's very little chance most of us would take that first step. No question. I but, look I look back on that, Corey, and like, I honestly can say this. If I knew back then what I know today, I don't think I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a few of the stories. You've got a book coming out. Do we you have do. A, do you yeah. have a timetable on that? Um, well, the writer is pushing me really hard, and I keep pushing back on him, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm out of time. I'm pushing him back. So um, publisher is talking about a late summer, early fall release. Awesome. Do you have a title for it yet? No, we don't yet. Okay. Uh, we have one kind of one. There's one. It's called Rescuing Children. Okay. But I don't know where, where did the title end up with. That'll be probably pretty much the publisher makes that decision. Well, you shared one of the chapters with me, and it was moving. Uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm a crier in general, but, uh, you know, every every few minutes I was having to wipe back tears <laughs> so I can keep reading. But uh, your website, tell us the website again for Crisis Aid. It's crisisaid.org. That's an easy one, crisisaid.org. We hope uh, our listeners will check, check it out. You guys have some amazing credentials as an organization. Uh, love being connected to you all. Thank you for introducing us to BAIC. And, uh, you know, the do- our members have a conjoining fee of a dollar per household per month, but it equates to about $33 mm-hmm. over there. And so it's, it essentially turns into what would be billions of dollars over here. And uh, we want our members to know more and more what that's all about. And you sitting down and sharing the heart of how ASH is connected to BAIC, I think, goes a long way. So thank you for taking the time. No, you're welcome. And I, you know, I just want the listeners and all your members to understand this, is that you have helped build this pediatric hospital in an area that's never had medical care anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time these people in this area ever had access to medical care, and you guys are bringing it to them. So thank you so much for that. It, it's the members and the the agents that refer members and the people on our customer care team and all that that help make ASH what it is. And, you know, we know we have a duty to, to share in. Duty is the wrong word because it's not a contractual obligation. The regulatory uh, people make sure, but that, that that's illustrated. And we also know that, hey, we want to make sure the members here are taken care of. And we also know the connection to what's going on over there helps drive us when as a an organization that is uh, helping to facilitate this, to helping to consult with Ash and the Ash board and Mike Hinchis at Ash. When they're getting beat up, one of the things that drives them is knowing the people over there really need need us too. So thank you for helping be that inspiration. Oh, you're welcome. Appreciate your time, Pat. Thank you, Corey. Well, you uh, heard me talk to really one of my heroes, Pat Bradley is uh, amazing to me. And what their team does is he is the hands and feet of that organization. And he is not somebody that's just go telling somebody to go over to Ethiopia and help people. It's it's where his heart is. It's where he wants to be. He is doing the same thing here in the States. They're helping a whole lot of people. We didn't get into this, but he's had the FBI here in St. Louis come to him and say, hey, listen, we've got, we've got women and girls who have been trafficked and we don't know what to do with them. And we 
think you can help them. And out of that, he opened a safe haven here in St. Louis for them. It's uh, it's such a problem that their team is committed to. And uh, he really inspires me, inspires our team. And uh, I just, every time I talk to him, I'm amazed about the stories. I've been to Ethiopia one time and uh, I wasn't sure that I would ever go. And now that I've been, I'm not sure you could keep me away again. And just, just really grateful to Pat sitting down with us. I want to believe that as you hear his heart and you know the kind of organization that they are, that you'll also get a sense that he is deeply impacted by the impact that Alliance for Shared Health members are having over there. And he wants Ash to have a similar impact over here. So thanks again for listening. I look forward to being with you next time.